Ready, set, game cast. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Ready Set Gamecast, a bi-weekly podcast about video games and ghostbusting. Darian and Teddy crossed their streams, so we're joined by our special guest, both the gatekeeper and keymaster, Matt A. Plays. That's me! Woo! <laughs> I'm excited. I've never done a podcast before, but I was honored when you asked if I would be a guest in lieu of Teddy and Darian being gone. I know, I know that you are a long-time listener, so I figured we'd bring you on. <laughs> long-time listener, ever since the inception of this podcast, yes. uh, all five, of... four episodes ago? Yeah. <laughs> this will be the fifth, counting episode zero. <laughs> so, Matt, how many ghosts are you afraid of? Uh, any number greater than zero... But based on proximity, kind of like spiders, right? It's like, if I don't know the spider is there, it's totally fine. As soon as I see the spider, I'm like, you got to go. I'm I'm done with you. This is, this can't happen. And I feel like ghosts, you know, there could be one in this room with me right now, I guess. And I wouldn't know until I know. And then it's like, all right, you got to go. Get out. (laughs) You got to (laughs) go. That's, you know. I, I, it could be a friendly ghost, I guess. Casper's yeah. a thing, right? Yeah. I really like. I wrote that question expecting one very specific answer, and you really went sideways. <laughs> what were you expecting? None. Four. I'm not. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Oh, okay. <laughs> the little Ghostbusters thing. I'm not a huge Ghostbuster fan. What have you? Mostly s- because I respect ghosts. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a ghostly experience uh not personally but i've watched ghost adventures and other shows like that so i don't know i went on some haunted hay rides before and they were kind of creepy like go oh actually i did go on a ghost tour one time like a walking tour and it ended in this creepy old church and then the tour guide just leaves you and we just sat there as a group for like 20 minutes like what do we do now that the tour's over i guess and this is we're just in a dark church and it's creepy and it's supposed to be haunted when do we leave (laughs) when is the tour over like it was like you know you walk along you go oh here's a location where this thing happened and there's supposedly a ghost here there's this you know and after an hour Oh, we're in this church, and it's super haunted and creepy and terrifying, and goodbye. Did did, the, did he, like, say, oh, like, I'm leaving, but you're, the tour, really. tour is still happening? Or did like, oh, I'm going to go take a phone call? <laughs> I never came back. It was like, <laughs> this is the last stop, you know? And then they intro the place and then somehow disappear when everyone else, <laughs> we're all just kind of like, wait, wait. That's weird. <laughs> this is This is terrifying. Okay, then. Yeah, that's my ghost experience. That is, <laughs> I mean, that's more of a shitty tour guide experience, but pretty close. I mean, I think it's it's part of the, right, that, that plays into it well, plays into the fear. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of fear, not really, but what video games have you been playing, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no scary ones, because 
I don't like scary things, and that ghost thing was terrifying. I don't know. Last year around Halloween, I played some scary games, but this year, mostly, let's see, Destiny, which I don't, I don't even know if there's much to say about Destiny 2 at this point. It's been out for a month and a half. People have kind of, oh, it's coming out on PC this week, so that's exciting. People seem to be happy about that. I'm not going to go play on PC. I don't, I don't want to that bad, and, you know, I'm perfectly happy playing it on PlayStation, um well uh there was some new uh destiny announcement seasons what's with that yeah yeah at twitchcon they had a panel and they talked about seasons coming to destiny which it's sort of centered around your clan but then also the events that come and go like iron banner uh and the faction rallies and those type of things those are going to have different gear sets i believe and then the seasons will reset your clan rank and then your clan will have to rank up again to get the weekly rewards that you can earn. But I don't see that going well with my current with my clan as it is <laughs> since after week 3 or 4 we kind of stopped like the nightfall and the raid don't necessarily come up crucible doesn't necessarily come up and there's like, you know, four or five things you can do each week that would allow you to get rewards as yeah. a clan. <laughs> and so like that checklist doesn't get filled out except for like once every third week, you know, we might have a good week. <laughs> so I don't know if seasons are going to really do much for, for us. It seems like a lot of people who are like very hyped about destiny Two have kind of moved on. Like I, I, I only know one person who's still like every week they're on there doing the raid and stuff. Yeah. I think part of it has to do with the ex- expectation of what, you know, Destiny 2 is compared to Destiny 1. So by the end of Destiny 1, there's three years of content, essentially, in this MMO-like world. And then you strip that away for Destiny 2. And so you're left with kind of a bare-bones world again, and it's a new one, and you can't play the old stuff that used to be, you know, in Destiny 1. Maybe they'll have that eventually, but it seems unlikely since they're on different planets for the most part. and. Mm it's set up a bit differently. Um, I think another part of that has to do with, you know, Destiny has always been an early September release. We're now in late October. We're in, like, the meat of game release season. So there's a lot of other stuff to play other than Destiny. So I think that that has to do with it too. But there is definitely a group or something, you know, a good contingency of players that were very dedicated to destiny that are being very vocal about how unhappy they are currently so so other than destiny 2 what have you been playing i've been dabbling with fortnite br which i think that one's been a lot of fun for you know a free-to-play experience i've been watching people play brs on twitch for years at this point watch people play, you know, Arma BR and then H1Z1 and then PUBG. So I was like, oh, as a console pleb, PS4 player, I'm so glad there's a BR I can finally play. Check it out. Have fun. And I found that, like, as a good 20, 30-minute experience, you know, I can hop in, I can play a game. If I want to play another one, I can go again. But it, it fits that mold where it's, you know, you hop in, play for a little bit, hop out, and I really tend to enjoy those you know throughout the night or the day or the week or whatever it may be so 
it, it fits in well. And then it's also, since it's free, it was like, oh, there's no risk to it, right? I'm not spending money on it yet. And I can, I don't know, play that now. New releases are coming out. I can still buy the new releases and have something to play in between. So that's worked out well. Uh, to be um, clear, by BR, you mean Battle Royale. Battle Royale, yeah. Fortnite Battle Royale. Sorry. Yeah, you just kept um, saying BR without ever <laughs> defining it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. See, I, that t- I guess it's a new genre, right? It's like with PUBG becoming so popular this year, Battle Royale is now a mainstreamish genre, which it ex- it's existed in mod form basically for years. And then H1Z1 had a official dedicated version of it, right? King of the Kill. But as a new newish genre, yeah, Battle Royale, BR. So it's last man standing, essentially. You have one life. You're dropped in with 100 other or 99 other players. And you fight to be the last one. And I've won two so far. On Fortnite? Yeah, in Fortnite. I've won I- two in my career. <laughs> I played a couple matches, I think with you, of uh, Fortnite Battle Royale, and I really liked the the building system of that, but I couldn't, like, I, I wasn't really into the combat itself, so that definitely made me want to try the single, pl- or the PvE aspect of it, uh, uh, because shooting random zombies is gonna be, like, it, it's not so high stakes, that I won't care as much about solid uh, combat, but like the building is really cool in that game. Yeah, I think that was a nice, it's a nice twist, right? On, you know, it gives it a little bit of a differentiation between that and other BR games. And yeah, I've been tempted to try the PVE out. I, I kind of don't want to buy it because it's going to be free to play eventually. Yeah. But it's also, I think they were advertising a sale recently, and I was like, oh, maybe I should pick it up. It's like 40% off or something. It might be worth it, you know? It's Although so. it's still early access, so you would be paying for an incomplete game. Right, right. Yeah. But I guess I, I have more faith in them in Epic than I do in a lot of other outfit studios making early access titles. <laughs> I would hope so. If they're if they're gonna sell the full game, sixty dollar game right now, I would hope that they like make it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Um, should I keep going? Yeah. Overwatch. Yeah. All right. Anything new? I there. So Overwatch. Uh, I think we're in season six at this point for comp. Um, I took like up leading up to Destiny's release. Destiny 2's release, I took a bunch of time off of Overwatch, so I think it's been, it was about a month and a half, two months, where I didn't play Overwatch, which had been the most played game for me since it had launched uh, last summer, so summer of 2016. Um, So that was the game I'd played most over that year, and I took a month and a half-ish, you know, break, and then I've been getting back into it in the last two weeks, and I've had a ton of fun. Like, I forgot, I guess, how fun it was. It almost felt, like, you know, daunting to play it at a point. And it was like, oh, I'm just playing comp. I'm just doing this. But with the Halloween event going on, so it's um, there's skins available and, you know, other cosmetic items available. Um, and there's the limited time arcade event where it's sort of a defend the point 
uh, with you and three other players, and you're you know shooting a horde mode style AI uh, with bosses, which are other characters in the game. Yeah, I kind um, I kind of like the horde mode concept. Uh, I'm not that much of a full competitive uh, player, so I kind of wish there was a horde mode all year round. Yeah, I would like to see them because they, they've experimented with PVE things in multiple events over the last year. Um, so that was that specifically is one of the examples. And then there was the Tracer's first mission. I forget what the name of it was. Um, but but it was like, you know, 20 years before current Overwatch was Tracer's first mission as an agent of Overwatch. And so it was like her, Reinhardt, Torbjorn, um, and Mercy maybe? But then the the four of you again played together and it was almost like a destiny strike where you attacked, you defended a point and then you moved through three stages, attacked a certain point and then like escorted a payload at the end. And so it was kind of a combination of overwatch mechanics in like sort of a destiny strike style setup, which is cool. Um, But yeah, overwatch has been a lot of fun. They just put the mercy ultimate change in and the, that was like the latest patch this past week. Uh, so they changed Mercy because a lot of people were upset about the meta over the summer where essentially Mercy is a healer and she had the ability, her ultimate ability was to resurrect players within proximity. Yeah. And so this became a problem when there'd be a team fight, right? A six on six team fight. One team would win the fight essentially except for the Mercy, the Mercy would fly in, res the other five people, and then there'd be an identical team fight again, and the other team would lose, but then their Mercy would fly in and res their team, and you'd have another six-on-six team fight. And that became what every game essentially boiled down to, was a really long, drawn-out fight where somebody would constantly be resing their whole team. Nice. So they took that ability away essentially they made it a cooldown ability where she can only res one character at a time um how long is that cooldown it's a 30 second cooldown so she can do that once every 30 seconds and then her ultimate ability now gives her two charges of that so she can do it twice um and she can fly around in the air with her gun out if you want or healing or whatever you want to do but she's like kind of I forget what the name of it is it's not Valkyrie because that's her like flying flying to other teammates ability but she can she can freely fly around the stage now or you know the map and is super buff essentially compared to what she was so that ultimate change came and then they tweaked it a little bit so in this latest patch they just tweaked some stuff to balance it a little better because she was like super OP in her ultimate uh, when she was using her ultimate. They also gave Lucio his speed back. Apparently there was some thing where at one update at some point where he would wall ride and he was significantly slower than he used to be so he just got a speed buff back when he wall rides again which is cool. Lucio's a lot of fun to play with. Um, that's probably enough about Overwatch other yeah, than that, you know. You got other games. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about golf story for a second because okay. this one's on the list of games I've been playing, but it's kind of a lie. Okay. <laughs> I bought golf story 
I think like two days after it came out or something. It's on Switch. Uh, neat little golfing RPG indie game. And I played about 15 minutes of it. I was like, oh, I'll bring my Switch to bed. I'll start playing it. I got, you know, into the tutorial basically. through. I, I did some golfing, got kind of through the tutorial, went through the intro sequence, and then went to bed. So I played about 15 minutes of Golf Story. So, so, so how was the little bit of golfing? It was, uh, it feels good, you know? I I don't play a ton of other golf games. I played Mario Golf on the GameCube and N64, and other than that, I don't know that I've ever really played other golfing games. Uh, it controls fine. It's It's pretty intuitive. I am looking forward to getting time to playing it, you know, sitting down and actually playing it. Um... And part of the reason I haven't been is because I've been playing Mario Cross Rabbids, which came out in August, I think, mid to late August. It's been out um, for a bit. It's been out for a bit, yeah. And that's also a, that's a Switch exclusive. Um, it's made by Ubisoft, but it stars Mario and Rabbids. Um, and it's a turn-based strategy game uh, in the style of something like XCOM, yeah. which... When I played XCOM, I really didn't enjoy it. I played XCOM for a couple hours. You know, I bought it on sale because it was, you know, two years old or something at the time. Had not a great time with it. But Mario Rabbids is the same game with Mario things going on and incredibly, like, casualized version of that. So the combat and the abilities and the upgrade trees are all much simpler and like, you know, targeted towards me apparently. I guess. How far into the game are you? Um <clears throat> I've completed one of the four worlds oh. with perfect I think there's four worlds. But you get star rankings, so they do sort of like I guess I, I'd call it like a mobile game thing, right? Where you get, you know, you got three stars on your last I guess it's a Mario thing, though. You know, you're collecting the stars or whatever, but it's not, you know, you're just getting rated on how well you did. So you did it in four turns instead of, like, six terms, turns, which was the set number you had, so you got three stars. Um, So I went through the first world, which is ten levels, and got perfects in all those. I found the secret area in the first world, Ooh. and I got a silver instead of a gold so not a perfect, so I have to go back and do that. But there's also challenges after you beat the world, so I've been going through and also doing the challenges in the first world. So so you want to get, like, perfect before you proceed? Yeah, I don't know why, because I'll never beat the game if I continue at this pace. But it's <laughs> like, I for some reason, it's like, okay, there's challenges, so I have to go back and backtrack and do all those before I move on. Otherwise, for some reason, I'm like, you know, not I satisfied. I hear the game gets really hard as you go through, so that might be... You might have to give up on that dream later on. I I might, yeah. Um. I, I watched... <laughs> I, I, I'm not ever going to play that game, uh, but I wanted to see how it ended, and just the final boss battle of that thing looked insane, so good luck when you get there. <laughs> All right. I mean, who knows if I will. Yeah. I, you know, when other things come out who knows like i got mario odyssey pre-ordered so that comes out friday uh, i don't know 
I'll, I'll get there eventually. It might be three years from now, but I will eventually beat Mario Cross Rabbids. <laughs> Just in time for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's what about you, Bryce? What have you been playing? So I've uh, still been playing Fallout Shelter, which it's hard to really describe that as playing. I check in once in a while. I I send the people off on quests. It's I mean it's definitely slows down as you get farther in. Like I really haven't built a room in a while. While and I've just been uh, raising the stats on on my people because I can now build rooms that can raise everybody's stats. Uh, so it's just slow going, and we'll we'll see if I fall off on that pretty soon. Uh, a really cool what game you, that I've what? Oh, what do you play Fallout Shelter on? On, what, on like uh, PC, on PC, oh, on PC. Yeah, okay. the Steam okay. version. Because I, I have uh, streamed it a little bit. It's it's a cool little like uh game to play on stream of like in between rounds of other games. Uh, I know Darian yeah. likes to do that. Of like she'll do league. And while she's waiting for another match, she'll like pop in and stuff. Um, so it's it's I'd a like, cool little deal. I'd like to see that on Switch. I think that would be a really oh, good cool. fit. Everything should just be on Switch. Yeah, I mean that's true too. <laughs> but well, uh, a cool little uh, VR uh, game I've been playing is Cosmic Trip. Uh, Cosmic Trip. It's a VR first person which i mean it's vr so that kind of seems obvious but uh (laughs) rts so you are okay in the world and you're building little um machines to uh you you gotta like uh build a little robot factory which is kind of just a little almost uh small stand like like thing then you gotta build a battery stick the battery in and then uh start popping out robots and then you've got like worker bots which will mine nearby resources and fighter bots and then uh you'll get attacked and you're kind of uh within this world and you've kind of got little nodes uh on the map that you can travel between um and this is on vive so every everything is going to be within arm's reach you're not going to have to move around too much uh Vive games do have room scale, or not all Vive games, but Vive does offer room scale where you can actually move around your room and you'll move around in game, uh, which uh, Oculus, I believe, supports that too. Uh, PlayStation VR does not, and uh, the like uh, cell phone headsets do not because they don't have any tracking mm, yeah. things. When you say first person, then are you... Because you you were describing like the robots and you know having the workers, so are you on the f- ground with them, yes, or is it yes. still like a yeah you, mode view? You, you are in the world. Um, so when when you get attacked, like I've had, they're, they've got like these giant like kind of tire monsters. Like he'll roll up as a tire, and then he'll kind of like spread out, uh, and and have basically the tires will become his shoulders. And I've had him like inside of me you're just like and you can you also have like these weapons that you can attack the enemies yourself uh with so i've kind of like had the monster like in my face just like swiping at it wildly hoping my boss can like fight off the other guys around me it's very cool that's Uh, that's uh, yeah an interesting kind of perspective on it i guess it's like a yeah 
I, you're I, the Warcraft three hero in in that situation. Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely cool. Um, it's also super hard. It seems that the uh, enemies it has different modes, but I've basically just been playing the strategy mode, which is kind of like the normal mode of like. Uh, you have to go to their base and destroy the heart of the enemy. Um, so you can set up bases anywhere, but there's only certain resources along the map. Um, and it seems like the enemies can build faster than you can. Uh, so it seems like you kind of need to just, just like drop your stuff and just move as quickly as possible. Uh, because I played for like a match of like an hour or two and just slowly building up forces. And then uh, by the time I was ready to attack them, they just had massive forces. I couldn't really make headway. They they took out my bots too quickly. And then I was down on resources. Uh, So like, I was like, okay, maybe if uh, they can build so quick, maybe I will just go attack them myself. So I just like jump node to node and went straight to their base. And I got decently in there, but they're even starting off, their base is uh, pretty well defended. So I think there's probably some in-between ground of I need to, like, get close to their base and build up mm, there okay. instead, instead yeah. of starting far away. And then... So it's it's a very cool experience. If you have a vibe, it's, it's definitely a must-play uh, uh, experience. Um, huh. I don't play a lot of VR stuff or haven't really dabbled much. I have the I have the Gear VR that comes like it came with my phone back when I got my phone, but I haven't really I don't know. VR looks cool. It doesn't seem like it's that useful yet. So like as far as playing playing things easily, you know? Uh yeah, I, I'm like I I kind of have to clear out my room to do Vive games, to do them well. I mean, there's definitely... Uh, Elite Dangerous is a space sim uh, game which offers uh, VR support, and so I just uh, can put on the headset and play with a controller. And it's cool to, like, see it in, uh, you know, all around you. So there's experiences uh, that offer that, but... Uh, in my opinion, the best examples of VR are room scale, where you can literally move around the room and it feels like you're really there, which does require yeah. a space that will allow you to do that. Um, but like, I've had I've had the cell phone VR and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, <laughs> but then it wasn't until the Vive that I was like, no, actually, like this is the future. Yeah, that thing stinks. This is very yes. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, now, now people are like, "Oh, I've tried VR. I did the little like cell phone limit." No, you didn't try VR. You you <laughs> you stuck your phone in the thing. It's all right, but like, like when you're like chopping at at uh, tire monsters that are in your face with your controllers, then you're doing <laughs> VR. <laughs> yeah, that's VR. <laughs> tire monsters in your face. Uh, and I also played, uh, this interesting, uh, indie game called The Shrouded Isle. I talked about it a little bit at the, uh, on the last RSG. It is a game where you are a cult leader, uh, in like old timey 
uh, medieval times or whatever. And apparently the dark god is coming back. And um, you need to make sure the the people of the village are, like, worshipping and on... Like, if, if there are doubters in the village, the god's not going to come back. So you have oh, to... okay. So you have to... Yeah, yeah. you have to... It's, it's a lot of, like, management of bars. Like, you need to pick an appointee from each family, and they're going to be in charge of different things, like uh, fe- fever, fever, um, uh, ignorance. Like, they're, they're kind of, like, straightforward of, like, hey, the, the, you're on the wrong side of, of, you know, so if people are, like, too smart, that's bad if oh okay yeah yeah yeah. so you got people in charge of book burning and and all this (laughs) stuff Uh, that's awesome that sounds so fun actually (laughs) like because you're just trying to yeah get that 100 percent right alignment with your thought or whatever you're yeah you're trying to push um but each season you need to sacrifice somebody and it's you have to sacrifice one of the appointees that are like so you're head of the church or whatever and then you've kind of got these five people one from each uh family that are uh your governors and they're governing each aspect of the religion of of book burning of just being really excited about the the god um you know book burning and, and those all manage different bars and you want every bar to be high uh but then at the end of each season, you have to kill off one of your appointees because the god requires sacrifice. Um, and you, he, it's supposed to be a sinner. So you have to uh, be like, oh, I killed him because he was a pervert or because he <laughs> did, did, did this stuff. But you have to be able to prove that he was this. So you kind of have to like... <laughs> research your appointees um and or else uh if you sacrifice them without like you can sacrifice any of them but then the the family that they're from is gonna be pissed off because they're like hey oh, okay, okay. you just killed you just killed bill what bill do and just like oh it just it was it was bad just don't worry about it <laughs> and if, if the family he, he frowned yeah <laughs> and if, if the family gets uh too pissed off they might revolt against you so you've got, like, all of this stuff to worry about. And what's also, like... So you want to appoint at least one shitty person. Because, uh, mm, yeah, you got to off yeah, them. Yeah, so you got to kill them. But at the same time... So if you, you uh, appoint a pervert to, like, be in charge of stuff, that's going to bring down the bars because he's out spreading his bad messages. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of like, okay, uh, I need to pick this guy because I need to kill him. I need to prove that he's bad. Uh, but I also need some really good people who are on message and it's really complicated. I haven't finished it just because like I got through one year, you've got to go through three, I think. And it was just like, mm. man, there's a lot going on. And like, I'm just like, please, please don't revolt on me. Like, well, you, your guy can live. I'll go kill this other family's guy. We're going to be good. <laughs> So can you manipulate them, cert- like, 
like you can negotiate right you can be like don't don't revolt on me <laughs> i'm gonna go after this guy but like can you manipulate like you're like i really don't like this guy so i need to make him do something so i can justify no. getting rid no. of him no okay. they 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 come with their their qualities uh built in and they start off like you don't know what their qualities are you might have like an idea of like oh this girl uh whispers to herself a lot or like it'll it'll say like a little rumor about them or like this guy's been very active in the church um so you'll kind of have an idea of like oh this guy's probably gonna be on message uh or be like this, <laughs> on brand yeah <laughs> and be like oh this this girl's been talking out a lot and be like she's probably bad but then you have to like actually investigate her enough to prove that that so you can kill her off and it might just be like and uh it might just be like oh she reads a lot uh she might not actually be like straight up bad uh, like murder uh, like bad enough that you can justify killing her to the family so you just be like eh, because when you when you select <laughs> someone to kill off their they'll they will show like okay this will increase this bar but the family might be a little bit pissed off because like the thing that they did wrong wasn't that bad so it's definitely like mm. the the pervert i i managed to prove someone was a pervert and kill them off and that was like the one time that everybody was like okay we oh, yeah. we get Good it job. like we did it <laughs> yeah this is the Everyone one applauds yeah this is the one we're allowing you the family's okay <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that is the games of the last few weeks. Let's get into the news. Starting Ooh. with uh, some pretty, pretty big news. Humble Bundle has been acquired by IGN. Uh, if you don't know... Media Humble... giant. Yes. Which... Media giant, according to the headline. Yes. Uh, so Humble Bundle is a store... Where uh, people uh, started off as just like a bundle of games that like um, different indie developers offered uh, their games uh, together in one bundle, and you could select how much you wanted to pay for them, and then like portions of the money could go to charity or to the developers, and it was definitely a great uh, way for uh, games indie games to get out there. And for the people to help charity and all that. And since then, they've expanded. They have their own little store. They also publish games. Uh, they have something called Humble Monthly, where you can sign up and get uh, like five or six games every month uh, from hum Humble. That's where I got uh, the Shrouded Isle. Uh, so the Humble Bundle does a lot of stuff. And it kind of just came out of left field when IGN uh, just bought them up. Um so yeah an interesting thing from that is uh had in time uh the review uh from that came out from ign and at the top they had to include ign uh entertainment ign's parent company recently purchased humble bundle the publisher of a hat in time this technically makes us the publisher we <laughs> didn't know about that when this review was written humble bundle and ign operate completely independently but going forward, all Humble Bundle published games we cover will have a disclosure regarding our relationship 
and will endeavor to use freelance critics to review them when possible. So that definitely like points out the kind of like conflict a review company owning a publisher can cause. Uh, yeah, there's. So when I first saw this story, I was like, "All right, that's that's a real non-story." People seem to be blowing this up. Humble Bundle, you know, you're you're buying these games that are already out, and you're donating some of the money to charity, and you're giving some directly to the devs, and some goes to Humble. You can divide it however you want. Yeah. And that would have been true if you know they hadn't updated since 2012, because <laughs> apparently that's the last time I looked at what Humble Bundle <laughs> actually was. And then it was like, oh, they have a storefront. Oh, they publish games. Who knew? I, I like being generally aware of things. I I feel like I still missed that at some point. I didn't know they had like the full storefront, and then I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, IGN wants to have their links to a store they own that that's fine you know but then it's like oh they also have a publishing initiative i see where the issue is now and why people are concerned and that's like the crux of it right that's any review now where they've published the game yeah yeah i mean uh even even as a store like humble bundle storefront does not have every game in it uh and and what's actually cool is like uh sometimes you'll get uh drm free copies of the game and steam codes or just drm free copies uh from the humble store um but yeah they, they're not as big as steam they only have certain stuff and they kind of uh if you buy it from humble bundle you'll probably be getting a steam code with it uh mm. okay so, so they're they're still sourced through other so it'd be like good old games or steam or something yeah yeah or uh, I guess PSN or Xbox, maybe even. Mm, uh, not not more closer to good old games than anything okay. else, because uh, it's, it's it's only certain stuff. Um, but the humble will have its own have its relationships with developers and all of that. Like um, Hello Neighbor, which is an indie game, yeah, uh, coming out that was available. You could play that. Uh, before release, only if you bought it through the Humble Store. Okay, okay. So, yeah, they've got... So, that game is published by... uh, What's their name? With the the orange logo. Tiny Build, right? Oh. They're published uh, by Tiny Build, I think. Yeah, I think so. So... But there are store exclusives, so I guess, yeah. Yeah. Coverage of that. Yeah. It's definitely very muddy, and we'll we'll see like it's very weird that like if if all of all the people who would buy humble and not even know anybody was looking to buy humble or humble was looking to be bought it just kind of comes out like IGN a review uh website bought a storefront it's like okay so yeah if it if it had been the other way around would it be as questionable? Like, you know, Amazon or Google, like Amazon owns Twitch, right? Yeah. And Twitch is sort of a game I mean outlet, right? Of sorts, you know, that you can you can watch somebody literally play a game and go, Oh, I do want to buy this. Well, and at this point is... in time there's now links to Amazon directly through that that, you know that is it is it the that... same? Is it 
the, as I, egregious. I consider that muddy as well. I mean, does the fact that you can buy certain games, the the streamer can make certain or money if they play certain games. Does that influence the games they play, and thus the games people are seeing, and thus yeah, are if I'm playing a game that can be bought of through my stream, am I going to talk shit about it? Or obviously, I don't care. I, uh, but some people are going to push their game on their stream stream that they would not otherwise if they couldn't make money off of it. So things are getting very muddy with like you know, different types of businesses being owned, you know, storefronts owning promote promotion uh, ways. So it's very muddy right now. And it's interesting how this is all going to play out. Yeah. I think ultimately it kind of plays out though, where like IGN as the big company says, you know, we're aware that there's a weird, you know, conflict of interest essentially yeah but because of the way our business is established those things never overlap and will never overlap yeah. right so and and that's true of like like gamestop publishes games now right and they're a retail outlet you know and i guess xbox and microsoft or microsoft and sony and nintendo have published games forever right and it's like i i I, I consider it more with uh, Nintendo Power. Uh, Nintendo Power mm, okay, would, okay. would be like a review. You know, they were reviewing Nintendo games. So, yeah. you know, they probably gave Mario games the best review out of all of <laughs> all the people. Probably every Mario game got a 10 out of 10 from Nintendo Power. Yeah. And I guess that's like that's you know, the assumed thing going into that. That's like if you go to the PlayStation blog or you go to Major Nelson... Right, and you check out what they're talking about, and it's you know, often it's not third-party stuff. It's often you know, this is our Sony thing. You know, we're pushing this Sony title or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's like, oh, Destiny, because there's an exclusive deal with Destiny for Sony to get exclusive content, and they'll mention that. So it's like knowing that the outlet is associated with it, and I guess that's a lot more clear on the Sony blog yeah. for the Sony platform, but. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to disclose it, I think that's the best they can really do, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, if if they're making efforts, uh, the, the fact that they're saying that they're going to be freelance critics in the future, that's a very good step. And they'll have to disclose that all uh, at the top. So at least it seems like that they're making efforts to have their reviews indicate that, like, hey, the fact that this is reviewed well will actually make us money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, by the way but, click that link below if you'd like to buy yeah <laughs> uh so it'd definitely be interesting uh the real question is will it affect the games that they review w- would they be like yeah, will you get featured content right of the games they're publishing versus you know would would i guess they were gonna they were gonna publish one for a hat in time anyway yeah but you know would that get preferential treatment and like oh we should publish this game rather than you know a review about something else yeah i mean i'm not sure if ign's like covers every game but humble definitely caters more towards indie games so uh hello well i'm trying to think if there's 
Uh, I mean, Hello Neighbor was something that people could buy before it was even out. So are they likely to put a preview up that they wouldn't have if if it wasn't actually out? Right. It's, it's definitely interesting if it's going to affect their coverage or not. But, I mean... There's other there's other news sources. Uh, uh, if you're if you're heavy into the IGN world, it's definitely something you're gonna have to uh, take into account. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that all shakes out in the future. Speaking uh, of other news sources, <laughs> straight not... from EA itself, I guess. Well, there, oh, yeah. there's an article from Kotaku, but ultimately there's also you know a blog post from EA. Yeah. About shutting down Visceral Games, which is kind of a, a big deal, right? Like, they're <laughs> shutting down a whole studio mid-project, yeah. generally unheard of. Uh, Usually it's like, okay, yeah, we shipped our title, we don't really have a plan, you know, we have some DLC, it's been a year or whatever, okay, we close that studio. Yeah, It happens. Let- sometimes the game will just do really badly and it'll be like okay the studio you're you're done you, you failed but the, nothing we had not heard much from visceral in a long time and then bam they're gone yeah just they were i remember at e3 everyone was everyone i don't know i guess people i tend to be aware of in gaming related things were very excited about Visceral's game being shown right during the E3 block of of EA's E3 block, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're gonna show the Visceral Star Wars game. They're gonna show this cool Uncharted like adventure game that's in the Star Wars universe." And then there was nothing during their press conference. Supposedly or apparently, there was a behind closed doors preview of some sort. Like it was like just you know whether it was just a video or like a guided thing where you got to watch is it's kind of unclear because I'm not, you know, in that <laughs> sphere. I'm not in the media. So <laughs> don't really know, but apparently there was something there that you could see. So this thing existed in some form and, you know, three months later they're like, Oh, it's dead. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Visceral is the company who made uh, Dead Space. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other big uh, game franchises they had. Uh, um, they so after after one of the Dead Spaces, I think it was Dead Space Three. It must have been, unless Dead Space Three came out after. But they they were put on Battlefield Hardline, which was at the time a really weird decision. Because Dice, EA Dice, makes the Battlefield games generally, and Visceral was put on Hardline, which was the cops versus robbers. You know, it's it's SWAT versus you know like heist type situations, and it was it was a weird assignment. It felt like you know it wasn't their type of game necessarily, or what they had been making right with Dead Space. And then they were put on that, and then Hardline didn't do great, I guess, from what I understand. I didn't play it. I don't really play the Battlefield games, but people, you know, it seemed to be a blip on the map, right? It came and it went, and that was kind of like, why are they assigning them that type of game? Kind of doomed to fail in a way, it felt like, and then 
you know, they put him on another project at this point and then closed him mid-project. Yeah. Mid yeah. Um, I actually really like the Dead Space 1 and 2. I haven't uh, played Dead Space 3. I played a little bit of Dead Space 3. They definitely added they added in like a second player which definitely like lessens mm. the scariness any yeah, any multiplayer yeah. aspect just makes it less scary um did it get more actiony as it went yeah. on because i played dead space one and it was definitely like horror first you know that that was the feel it was you know there were jump scares there was this unease throughout the whole thing yeah it was definitely survival horror where you're just like holding on to every bullet like i i need to yeah. kill this guy but i only have so many bullets oh god uh but yeah it definitely gets more actiony especially the third game it, it i think feels most uh actiony but like i love one and two um i they are my favorite scary games because it hmm. you're not like running away uh so much everything you're you're fighting everything, but it's always every moment feels tense because you're always low on resources, low on health, just barely getting by. Yeah, um, yeah, which, which is great. So I I love that type of experience. And I, this uh, like a week ago, I was thinking, oh, Dead Space. Like th I w I would love to play Dead Space right now because it's like <laughs> ha Halloween season. I wonder if they're gonna make another one. Yes, not <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I mean, you may see a, you know, an offshoot, uh, you know, like a small scale indie version, right? At some point, you know, with however many people were at Visceral now, unemployed. If you know, yeah, well, some group of them wanted to make that style game, I could well, see that happening. Yeah, with but the way the the market works at this point, it wouldn't be Dead Space. It'd be some other thing. No, uh, yeah, it'd be like Space Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't sue. <laughs> but uh, like you said, um, so with the closing of Visceral, EA made, made changes to the Star Wars game. It's still going to live, but in the way that a zombie is kind of alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, like, you'll get a Frankenstein out yeah. of this game. <laughs> they they are changing the scope of the single player Star Wars game to make it more open, and uh, we are shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency, leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reimagining central elements of the game. <laughs> to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. Greater depth. Okay. So they're making Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Right. They they definitely the fallout of that was right. They fo they're going to focus on multiplayer. They're going to focus on a living world or whatever, you know, that you can experience with your friends or yeah. a Destiny experience, yeah. And, and they moved it to Vancouver, which had already been EA Vancouver, whatever. the I don't know if they have another name for that studio, but they had already been working on the game, they said. So I imagine they were working on a multiplayer element of that game, you know, while the, the Visceral was mainly working on the Uncharted story style set piece driven, you know, game. So I imagine they 
you know, moved them to the studio working on the multiplayer stuff and are then going to have them follow through on that. What's really weird is that there are there were so many there are so many Star Wars games, I guess, in production, right? Like Battlefront 2 comes mm-hmm. out in weeks. Yeah, pretty soon. This game, yeah. This game's coming out never. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> Respawn Entertainment is also working on Respawn who makes Titanfall. Um, they're working on an FPS version of something Star Wars related. So it's like, did they have just like too much going on with Star Wars? And like, I feel like Disney must have had some say in it, right? You know, well, like I think EA probably would have put more money into it for a while, but like EA and Disney probably both have to agree. And then there's probably a lot of pressure with that. I, I think. EA has exclusive rights to the Star Wars right now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure they EA was just like, okay, everyone's making Star Wars. Star Wars is Star yeah. Wars. Let's let's Ugh. get as much out of this as we can. <laughs> and I mean, it seems like it doesn't specifically say in their press release that hey, we're pushing multiplayer hard, but that's kind of what everybody's taken away from that. Yeah. What, which is interesting because the original Battlefront was only multiplayer and that was not well received. Right. It was like it was definitely mixed. It was like, yeah, man, this is this is fun, this looks great, this feels like you're in the movie. But remember Galactic Conquest in the original Battlefront games? Remember, you know, the other modes there were? Hmm. And I'm... so I think they're pushing for that with this one and I I am most excited about Battlefront 2 for the single player. So, yeah. I mean, I've always been more of a story gamer, so multiplayer-only experiences don't really interest me. Uh, so the fact that they are killing off a single-player experience to make it more multiplayer just saddens me. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a bummer. I I don't know. I feel like some of it must be with, like, the actual Star Wars brand, and they're like, it's probably more difficult to s- tell a Star Wars canon story because I think De- Disney was like, everything's canon from now on, right? That was yeah. the thing a couple of years ago when they bought Star Wars. Yeah. And it was like, everything we do will be canon. So it's probably a lot harder to create a story that is acceptable across the board and still like, you know, features things about Star Wars that you'd be excited to see, whether it's cameos from characters or locations. And with Battlefront, it works well because it's like, all right, these are battles that have occurred in the history of Star Wars and you're fighting them. So I'm I'm sure crafting a story around that is relatively simple when you're like, you're a soldier in this battle and these are the things you have to do or, you know, some variation of that. That and the uh, multiplayer aspect is obviously not canon, because uh, yeah, they, they've got what the characters from the new movies fighting against Darth Maul, like don't, right, right, don't remember yeah. That Some part. exceptions can be made. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the single player uh, aspect of that game is canon. And I'll be really excited to see how the, I hear it came out, uh, came together well. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I think I'm only gonna play the single player of that and just be done. <laughs> just ignore the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh that that game like i played the beta and 
I just felt like I wasn't really affecting much with that game uh, because I felt like I just died so quick and like you have each team has a hundred lives. So it seems like you're just like going to die and come back so quickly that it was just like, yeah, you have like 40 on 40 and there's no, yeah, yeah, nothing at stake. Kind of. Yeah. That's how I've always felt about the battlefield style games. Yeah. It's... Um, all right. Uh, going from EA to another big third party publisher, unless did you have something to say? Well, I was go- going from a game turning into destiny to uh, the company who makes destiny. <laughs> an actual destiny game. <laughs> Activision researched using matchmaking tricks to sell in-game items. Not only did they research it, they actually were granted a patent. That was the the headline was they researched, but they were granted a patent this month for a system it uses to convince people in multiplayer games to purchase items for a game through microtransactions. Um, and that strikes me as all kinds of nasty and shady and the kind of stuff I would probably not want yeah. in, in my games. So basically, um, you'd be matched with players that have better equipment than you, the stuff that you can buy. So yeah, that, the example they give you, right, yeah. Yeah, uh, is, so... Uh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I just did that. I was going to let you go. Um, the example they gave you is like, you know, the the big spender, high-end player, you know, he's a model player, a got model. all the cool stuff, looks really good, it's shiny and glittery, so you're going to get matched with him as some new guy because you'll look at him and be like, man, I want all the cool stuff he's wearing. I want the cool guns he's got. I want, you know to be able to play like he does. And that's like the the mentality behind it, right? Is we're going to show you the shiny, you know, idyllic, this guy spends $1,000 a month in our game (laughs) to to you. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll definitely push you. I mean, for... And that... I I don't know if Activision has any games. Like, uh, speaking of Battlefront, Battlefront kind of has a card system that allows you to get actual in-game upgrades that'll make you stronger and stuff. Yeah. So so being matched with someone like that would result in you going, like, getting your butt kicked, and then you'd go, oh, maybe if I spent a little money, then I would be doing better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but, right, Bryce. Yeah. Show us your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> So it's definitely super shady and like I know and they have said that the only uh, Activision game I'm thinking that I know offhand is Destiny uh, that has multiplayer. Uh, I'm trying to think Uh, of COD would be another big one. Oh, yeah. Call of Duty. Does that have uh, microtransactions? Yeah, they have loot chests, essentially. Um, So you earn the currency or you can buy the currency to then go buy the chests is how it's worked in the past ones. Okay. So yeah. Uh, being matched with somebody who's got all of the loot chests and then you just go like, okay, well I can spend however many hours and try and get this, or I could just put in my credit card. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, 
Destiny, they've apparently come out and said Destiny won't be using really Destiny's system only to a certain extent. Like, you, you can get some shiny equipment, but uh, yeah, it's it's not the, the greatest uh, for using that system, but... It's, the, the it's definitely just the psychology of it, right? Yeah. The idea that they they basically got a patent on manipulating you, yeah. but I guess that's what all marketing is ultimately at the end of the day. It's like you see this ad and you're like, I want that thing for you know some reason, and they've tapped into your psyche and <laughs> figured it out. I mean, it's one thing about like seeing a commercial and another part with like, Hey, we're the game. You will be playing different games based on who spends money and who doesn't, which is well, so weird. Yeah, and it's not—it's not necessarily you're playing a different game. It's just oh yeah, just who you gonna, play with. We're gonna show you these model players in our game so that, <laughs> that you want to be them. Yeah. Not models like walking the catwalk. <laughs> <laughs> these players are so pretty. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, knowing this is out there, I think whenever anybody gets matched with somebody, they're going to think about that in their back of their head of like, oh, I bet this is because that that patent they got. Yeah, that was actually an interesting part of it too, right? Is the, the, this article breaks and then the immediate, like, like uh, the community manager of Destiny immediately, like, retweeted it or responded to somebody's tweet like this is not in destiny you know it's like the immediate like we have to say this isn't in our game because it looks bad like the patent looks bad at the face value it's just i mean (laughs) i don't think apologize i don't think there's any value that makes it look good like that there's no way that anybody's gonna be like we love this we're so excited about it right like just match people, you know. Normally, just hey, whoever's available, let's play. I wonder. I wonder if this will slow down matchmaking at all, or if they just like it'll be the you first thing they know. look for. You know, yeah. when it's implemented well, you won't even know. Is the <laughs> thing. <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, so you know, I just who's... thought of what? <laughs> I just thought of other games under Activision. Um, all of Blizzard is part technically part oh, of Activision. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cuz they're Activision Blizzard. So Oh, that can be really Overwatch <laughs> all those people with yeah. the like skins. Oh, that's that could be interesting. Uh speaking <laughs> of people being targeted uh by things, uh PlayStation <laughs> has released so such good segues this episode. Ooh. Uh PlayStation has released a mini controller, mini PlayStation controller targeted at kids. It basically looks kind of like a uh, Nintendo Joy-Con. It looks exactly like a Joy-Con with a yeah. lot more buttons. <laughs> it, it's basically the, the little uh, part at the bottom of a PlayStation controller that you hold on to is just gone. Um, so it's just the part with the buttons. And uh, I guess it's uh, so kids who have smaller hands will be able to press everything. Um, and it also uh, has a cord. I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, it's wired. Yeah. That was interesting. As I, I imagine that's to fit it in the size, like maybe wireless Bluetooth technology or whatever. Oh, yeah, maybe. Doesn't fit. <laughs> maybe they couldn't fit a battery and all that. And, and... Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. It's probably the battery more than anything. I mean, I was thinking like price-wise, I think these are only like thirty bucks compared to fifty-five for a regular controller. It's like, yeah, eh, it might be worth getting it as a second controller. That would be the new player too. Like you get the the tiny one. <laughs> My thumbs touch whenever I move. It definitely looks super awkward. Um, I know when my son was uh, first playing PlayStation games, he had a lot of trouble hitting all the buttons. I'm not sure if this would help him or not. Uh, but it's it's kind of cool that they're like trying to help younger gamers. I don't. When I think of uh, PlayStation, I don't think kids games, but I'm sure you know the Lego Star Wars I mean, games. They're they're out there. Yeah. Yeah, there's like Ratchet and Clank is probably a kids game. I, I don't know. There's there's definitely room. I don't know. I guess you think of Nintendo probably, right? Yeah. You know, like kids games, Nintendo. Which, yeah. as a Nintendo fanboy, I must object. Okay. Nintendo games are for everyone. <laughs> e for They're everyone. All wonderful, and you should all buy everything Nintendo. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did it work? Well, welcome to our our Nintendo rep, Madway Place. <laughs> it's like Shrouded Isle, but for Nintendo. So, uh, Nintendo rep, why don't you tell us about the hot new Nintendo news about? Oh, the new hotness! <laughs> the Switch update, adding video capture. Yeah, there was already, you know, you could screen cap with the screen cap button, like every other console at this point in time. Now you can hold it and get a 30-second video of what you just played, and it works on Zelda, Splatoon, ARMS, and I think Odyssey. It works on just like four core Nintendo games right now. Which is um, interesting that it just doesn't work with everything. But Yeah, I don't know if it's just there's an update required, right? And like devs will have to patch their games basically to allow it or something like that. Um. Honestly, I find it yeah. where it not being in the system to begin with. I figured that like, oh, the Switch just can't can't handle it uh, when mm. it when they updated and then video capture is now a thing. That that was surprising to me. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, and it was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I can't wait. And I've already seen some really good videos of Zelda stuff coming up. Of like, in Zelda, there's these particular em- en- oh, man, enemies you meet on the side of the road and people are doing things where they're basically setting them up to die and then going and talking to them and the dialogue pauses the game world for the time being while you're in the dialogue and then as soon as the conversation ends they get like destroyed <laughs> by like a giant crate or something like that it'll just like drop on their head or it'll shoot out of nowhere because the other per- the person set it up already and so you're See on cool videos already getting like passed around Twitter and that kind of thing. Nice. They also allow in this update uh, save data transfers, which that is huge. It's it's huge, and it's also sort of a little odd the way that this one works. Um, it's it's mainly for. It appears like it's for switching to another switch, for lack of a better word, I guess. I'm just gonna say switch a lot, but. <laughs> If you have multiple profiles on your main Switch, your main Nintendo console, and you purchase another one, you can then transfer one of the user's data over to the other one without losing things. And then, you know, 
they'll get Zelda and they'll have their Zelda save file instead of having to completely start over, which was the case up until now. Yeah, it's definitely nice. Like, say you, uh, your partner uh, and you sh- share a Switch, but then uh, she gets her own Switch. Uh, and she's like, oh, I guess I have to start over with Zelda. At least she can get her um, saves yeah. on her new file. But yeah. you can't you can't just play on whatever Switch you want, which would be the right, ideal. Right. There's no like game share yet kind yeah. of thing. I don't know if they'll have that. No Nintendo, I, probably I'm, not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they will. I'm looking forward to being able to transfer data between my SD card and my system or multiple SD cards, like Switch to Switch. So I can yeah, you're saying switch, yeah, a switch lot. to switch, yeah. <laughs> but basically, between my SD card and my system, so I can, you know, rework my memory in the way I want to. If I get like a new card at some point or something like that, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I want my Zelda save, or I want my, you know, Mario Kart data always on my unit, my unit instead of my Switch. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that that was a cool little uh, update from uh, Nintendo. Yeah. We'll see if uh, future updates bring the amount of functionality uh, to it. It's actually like uh, it's cool that they had a big update. I mean, the save data thing makes a lot of sense right now because this is when kids will be getting their own switches with ho- holidays coming around. So that's yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, another great holiday item people can buy is a Oculus. Uh, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> um, so Oculus has announced the Oculus Go, which is an all-in-one uh, headset for $200, which is basically like the Samsung Gear VR, where you put your phone in uh, to... Uh, see the vr stuff but this you don't have to put your phone in it already has the uh heads or the screen in it and it uh includes a wii uh, nunchuck style uh controller um so that's kind of a a way to get a basic vr experience um no uh room scale type uh game uh it'd just be you turn your head and and you can look around I think it's a really good move. Like, it's almost at the price point where I'm willing to get one. It's not quite there yet. If it price drops, you know, I'd be like, okay, that's better. Because I have the Gear VR. I think I mentioned that earlier. And it's mostly just, you know, you plug your phone in to the headset. And then you can watch something. And you can move your head around. And you're like, oh, wow, look at that. Wherever I move, my viewport moves. And I see different stuff in this world that's rendered around me. That's neat. But this coming with a controller, I think, is huge because on the gear right now, there's a touchpad on the side of your head, basically, that you use to control if you need it. And this is its own unit. So, like, the screen's already in it. You don't need anything else. You're good to go. And it doesn't come with the seven items that it comes with when you buy a regular Oculus, where it's like, here's a bunch of sensors. Here's the controllers. Here's some cameras. Here's whatever. Yeah, it's it's definitely... I mean, VR is something that you need to experience to appreciate. Uh, you know, just to, looking at a video of someone in 
VR is not going to do it for you because it just looks like a video. Uh, you have to actually yeah. wear the headset and look around to experience it. So the fact that Oculus is really trying to make that as affordable as possible is is great. Yeah, it's like becoming marketable yeah. at this point with that sort of setup. Uh, but speaking of the standard Oculus Rift, that has also received a price jump, bringing it down to $400 which I think makes it in line with PlayStation VR. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And uh, That sounds right. Uh, but this will include uh, two touch controllers, two sensors, and seven free games. Uh, you'll, need a, you'll need to have a PC that's capable of uh, right. playing those games. That's the but, kicker. Uh, if you already have that, then, I mean, that's the going to be your most affordable uh, option to play you know, full room scale style, uh, games. And yeah. Yeah. And I heard the, uh, the, uh, controller for Oculus is pretty cool. It's, uh, I think it's got full finger support so you can like grab things with your hands and you'll grab them in game. Whereas, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. The, the current five controller looks kind of more like a wand. So you just press the trigger to grab stuff. Uh, it doesn't have full finger support. Uh, they're, they're working on a controller that will, have that but that's not out yet so right now it it seems like the oculus uh has has the better controller um i think all uh headsets share about the same uh 1080p specs and and stuff uh so if you're looking to get into vr Um, the oculus is probably your best bet right now it's almost time yeah i I think playstation probably is still has the lowest bar to entry i guess that now does with two hundred dollar price point. If you're talking, of, you're not going to get the same kind of experience. I don't think. Yeah, if, still, if you're talking about coming from nothing, then PlayStation wins because getting a PlayStation Four plus the VR uh, is cheaper. But if you already have the yeah. PC, then uh, the Oculus will be cheaper because with the mm-hmm. with PSVR, if you get the four hundred dollar version, you don't get any games, do you? Or is it just like one? I don't think so. Yeah. So th- maybe there's one bundled. Yeah, and then this will come with uh, seven free games. So, uh, very very cool of Oculus really putting their money where their mouth is to just really yeah try and get it out there. Okay, let that was the news. Let us get into the topic of this show. Before we do, yes, can we take like a couple minute break and I'll be right back. Okay, we're taking a break it'll be magic when we come back we'll be edited in okay topic of the show topic of the show matt (laughs) matt a plays are loot crates exploitive you know of course you know well esrb says at the very least they are not gambling and sure and uh they say this uh here's a quote uh while there's an element of chance in these mechanics the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content even if the player unfortunately receives something they don't want we think of it as a similar principle to collectible card games sometimes you open a pack and get a brand new holographic card you've had an eye on for a while but other times you end up with a pack of cards you already have uh, 
So yeah, and I mean that's true. I agree with them on all of those statements. But they, when, yeah, when you you are putting money for loot for, to get a loot crate to get a trading card deal, you're paying money, uh, to get something that you are unsure about, and like. For yeah, you're paying for a chance to get a thing. Yeah, that you want in a pool of other things, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, you you clearly want one or a few of those things that you could possibly get, and you have no idea what it is, and you are yeah you are paying for the pr- privilege of pulling the lever and hoping to get something, and it, <laughs> right, yeah, right. it could be something you already have, and for something like Overwatch, they'll give you a little bit of the money. A little bit of the worth that you put in uh, back, but in no way are you like it's a one to one yeah deal. I guess the the thing I'm most like they compared it to collectible card games. I think that's fair. That's yeah. a fair comparison. The thing I most like in it too, or like first thought of when talking about is it gambling, is it not gambling, was scratch tickets, which I think are gambling yeah those i don't know those would be considered like the lotto gamble. the lotto's a gamble but the, the it's always weird because like lottery exists but gambling isn't always allowed like legally in certain jurisdictions right like not everywhere can have a casino yeah which is you know at a casino you go and you gamble but everywhere seems to have a lottery or most places in the u.s seem to have a lottery of some sort what what I find interesting is the fact that because you always get something, that's not gambling. So I could set up that too. Yeah, yeah. I could set up a thing where you have one in ten chance to win a thousand dollars. But if you don't win a thousand dollars, I'll give you a rock. So you're getting yeah. something. So that's you're not gambling because at least you'll get a rock. Yeah, you at least. Right, and I, I, I don't know if it's like, right, you're getting, you're, you're buying $10, you're, you're buying a $10 ticket to win $1,000, but you lose and you get a rock, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, that has to be a $10 rock? Is that, like, the logic behind it? Like, you get a pack of collectible cards, and there's 10 cards in the pack, they are worth the $3 you paid for that pack. Or, I mean, you know, you paid for a loot box in a game, and the drops you got if you were to purchase them separately would have cost you, you know, $3 in real life money. Yeah. There's, and there's definitely ways to quantify the worth of different, uh, digital goods. Like in, yeah. in, in uh, player unknowns battlegrounds, uh, they do have, you, they have loot crates. will give, which will give you clothing that can be sold on the steam marketplace. So, you, so, Based on how much those clothing are selling for, you know exactly, oh, this pair of pants is worth $300. So you could get... Okay. You could put in $10 and get a piece of clothing worth $300. And Yeah. I mean... That's interesting because that's a secondary market valuing it, right? That's the same thing Counter-Strike has. Yeah. And that's where, you know, sites where there's, you know, gambling involved with those items you know got into some murky waters but because of the secondary market the values are are weird right they're they're not necessarily what the studio values those things at like 
I when I I think of like Overwatch, there's a a gold value which gold is the currency in the game. Yeah. Or coins I think is technically what it is. But you know, you get you get the coins every once in a while in your loot boxes otherwise you get an item and it's like this is worth this much coin. <laughs> you know, it's 150. And you're like, okay, I know kind of what that value is because I know how often I get 150 coins or I know how often I get an item that is worth that much. And so like during the Halloween event, the skins, which are, you know, outfits for your characters essentially, are 3,000 coins in the game. And so that is double what a normal uh, legendary skin would cost. Normally they're 1,500. And so you kind of get a sense of, okay, the limited ones are worth twice as much, and I know how often I get that currency, and I know what it's actually valued at, and so I know that if I buy $10 in loot boxes, whether or not I got my money's worth out of it, essentially. Yeah. I, I've seen people who will do, like, Twitch streams of them just opening loot boxes. Yeah. It, it is... That's a... Yeah, crazy a <laughs> how, like, this this basically pulling the lever, seeing what you get out has, has become... Just like, ooh, look what I'm getting out of the machine. Everybody check this out. Uh, and in games like Overwatch where it's purely cosmetic, and I think there's definitely like, you know, look at my cool outfit. Who who has the coolest outfit in Overwatch is definitely like a right. thing. Um, yeah, and like seasonally appropriate ones or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, oh, I really need the Halloween costume for my Zenyatta uh or there's a new costume and you do need that um but for the new lord of the rings game there uh the end game apparently is super hard and that requires that you have like very good orcs um so you could sit there and try and grind and try and find some legendary orcs or you could put money into the machine and pull the lever and and hope to win the game by paying for it. And there's yeah. And there's a multiplayer aspect to that as well where players can fight other people's fortresses. So there there is a Okay. Yeah, there's a pay to win multiplayer aspect and uh that's interesting yeah. cuz I didn't know about that portion of it. Yeah, at, at the end you you can set up your fortress and then people can fight your uh So it's like a end game post beating the campaign you then have like a clash of clans yeah, style yeah. thing going on and then apparently okay. there's like a bonus ending to that which you can always look up on youtube or whatever but i mean there, yeah. there, there's a you could look up any game any game's cutscenes on youtube if you really wanted to yeah i don't completely mind the pay to progress quicker element of the orcs like if someone really wants to, you know, not grind out the game and not play the game, that's, you know, not what I, I would look for if I bought a game to play a game, yeah. right? But somebody out there might be like, well, I don't have the time, but I definitely have the money. I'm going to spend this. But it's also kind of like, how often of an occurrence is that? And then you get into the gray area of it's a single player game for the most part. And and do they well, it's cater also, 
or change the level of grinding or the amount of grinding because of the boxes, which I don't know. You you assume they don't, but also can't not. You know, right? They have to be rare things, otherwise the appeal of the boxes that not really there. They also, uh, you know, you're also paying sixty dollars to even play the game. So yeah, you know, they're they're if if they're trying to push grinding, it sounds like they do push grinding on the ladder section of the game uh so you can play the normal campaign or whatever and play it normal but then the last section will get very grindy for you which, which I is i played shadow of mordor and it was kind of similar like the the mechanics as they were introduced and as it was you know developed with learning how to raise your army basically and then overtake the different armies in the different locations it was like okay this is actually really grindy but it's you're you're allowed to kind of choose your path right and decide where you're going to go who you're going to infiltrate who you're going to basically take over and make them become your minion and so it was it was lengthy and grindy because it was repetitive, I think. Yeah. But it was kind of like you got to choose your own path still a bit. And uh, it, there wasn't a. The original game did not have a loot crate system. There was no. Right. So at least everybody was right. on the same path. There was no. Oh, I. And, and definitely adding in a multiplayer section, which even having. Like, it's. It's interesting they added a multiplayer section to the game at all, which doesn't really seem. I mean, it's kind of cool that like, oh, oh, I can see what my friends' orcs are like uh, and all that, but it definitely seems like they added that in to push the loot crate system. Yeah, and I think that that might be very true. You know, they yeah. might have put that in as a result of the system, or you know, to yeah, yeah uh, I, give it longevity in that sense. I think the one that pushes it most is the Battlefront uh, two, where you will get different upgrades and weapons and stuff that will affect how well you do in multiplayer from loot crates. Yeah. Like, you can get uh, different uh, weapons and ships, and uh, I I can now uh, repair my ship because of a card I got out of a loot crate, which is... Right, right. Like, and with all of these, you can play the game and get currency uh to to uh grind it out yeah. yeah but it's it's hard to go i am doing badly i i am not as strong as these other players because they have cards that i don't have yeah and i could sit there and lose a lot and then just hope f- and and you're getting currency based on getting kills so if you're not getting kills right. you're not getting currency so so you hope their matchmaking's good yeah. then right in that case yeah. you got 40 you got 39 other people on your team you hopefully only you know two people on each team are like super op and the rest of the people are like you being you know free to play basically yeah. after you buy the game right. Ho- hopefully activision doesn't lend out their pat- uh, patent to ea yeah no they'll just sue them after right? <laughs> ea will be like yeah we use that but uh yeah so Knowing that you're doing badly because the cards definitely will exploit you, make you 
more willing or push you to put money in because that's going to be your only way to gain cards that'll oh yeah make you do better and then what's sucky is that like oh i got a card for the heavy droid but i don't play him so gotta put in more money Mm. so i can get like there was there used to be i guess it depends the frequency right yeah of that kind of thing if it is like i'm getting if I'm getting multiple packs, uh, a play session or whatever, you know, if I'm getting these items frequently enough, it doesn't really matter. And then it's just, you know, these other people want to go spend a hundred dollars and buy, you know, to try and get the best things they can get right off the bat. But if I'm getting them frequently enough, even if they affect gameplay, I'm still, I still feel like I'll be, you know, able to hang with the big guys i guess i guess i mean it definitely depends on when you come to the game when you first start everybody has no cards but say three months in you know yeah guys who have been playing all this time have got every card or lots and lots of cards and then you know they've got every upgrade and you've got nothing so you're gonna be at a stronger disadvantage uh, what's yeah. what's interesting is in China, they somewhat regulate uh, loot boxes uh, in the sense that all anything that has this random chance aspect to it has to say what are your chances of getting each item. Right. So right, it states the drop rate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that needs to happen basically because like like I was saying with like Lotto earlier, like scratch tickets. Yeah is kind of what I would like in a loot box too, to some extent is, you know, you're likely going to win nothing or your money back on a scratch ticket, but you could win, you know, 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, whatever you put in basically. Yeah. It, and they tell you on the back, these are your chances, right? And it's like a 50% shot. You get your money back. And then it's a 25% chance. You double your money, you know, and it gets worse and worse, but yeah, it just clearly states, you know, this is your chance of winning said prize. Yeah, that way, if you go going to go after the new Zenyatta costume, at least you can go. Okay, there's a one in a hundred chance of this loot crate containing that. At least I know my odds instead of just yeah. Oh, it's might be as likely you know as getting any other costume. Or what what what's the chances? You it's you're going in blind completely. You're just throwing money and hoping to get something good. And I know in China, some some games have, in, in the China uh, stores, they just make it, oh, you want the item, you just straight pay for it because they don't want to disclose that information. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, that used, like, it used to be, hey, you want to get costumes or whatever, you pay for the <laughs> yeah. specific costume, but... Here's the $4 price tag. Yeah. yeah every, everybody has gone... Uh, loot crate which is i don't know i think in part it's because you can tailor it into the free you don't have to pay to earn these things right you get coins for your activity you spend the coins and you get the box right and then everybody can do that but then you can also buy the coins and you know what it's like already you've already felt the experience of oh i got a crate and it had something really good that felt good i want to do that again oh yeah so you get that angle of it and then it's also, you know, probably way more lucrative, <laughs> ultimately, because 
you know, it's not a one to one drop rate. Yeah, like it is with the price tag. They'll definitely feed you just the, uh, just enough loot, free loot crates to just get you get you on there. They they've know the psychology. I mean, uh, yeah. Fallout Shelter has lunch boxes, which uh, you can pay for loot lunch boxes, or you can get them through quests and stuff like that. And I mean, I've gotten really shitty stuff through lunch boxes. And I've gotten really great stuff, and I have not bought any loot bo- uh, lunch boxes. But I know Darian has been playing the game as well, and she has put in like twenty dollars to the game, huh? Because um, she had a lot of her people die, so she's like, "I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw money into l- uh, lunch boxes so I can get uh, enough money to revive my people." Huh. So and yeah, would be. Like, because it's just random, she can't just straight buy money. Um, if, right, if, right. If she had just got, like, nothing but energy or weapons, she would have to put in more money so that she... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And keep going. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. So, are loot, I think loot crates exploitive? Overwatch does it well, I think. Yeah. Like, they... A while ago back in the first year of overwatch they had the first halloween event came around and you couldn't purchase directly any of the prizes right you had to get them in the loot box but by the second or third holiday event they had it so those items that were limited time all had an explicit price that if you had the amount of coins you could purchase that thing directly okay that's really cool. and those are all you know you get coins sometimes in your boxes, but you also, you know, you, so if you buy loot boxes, you sometimes get coins. That's essentially how the coin system works. So eventually you'll earn coins just from playing the game. So things have a set price, and then the limited items got those prices. Um, they also made an update in the last six months at some point where duplicates were a fairly common thing. So I was like, okay, I got a box. And it's, you know, three commons, it's three whites and a blue, right? Which is like three commons and a uncommon or whatever, rare. And they were likely going to all four be duplicate items if you've been playing the game a while. Yeah. And they did something where they reworked their system a bit so duplicates are far less likely to drop. And so in the past, you know, however long since that change, even though I'm still getting like emblems and sprays and voice lines which are probably like the bottom of the barrel as far as the cool stuff you can get because they're not highlight intros and they're not emotes and they're not character skins but i'm still getting ones i didn't have which is ultimately increasing my likelihood that i'll get more that i don't have like cooler things that i don't have in the future so like they've rejigged the system multiple times now and it's gotten a lot better so i think the way Overwatch does loot boxes, while it's still, you know, exploitive, yeah. <laughs> because it's tapping into the psychology of this feels good, and and th- I want to keep doing that. Yeah, and it's all it's all that stuff that is all shown off very like well highlight video, you know, all that stuff that are like makes you the center of the attention. You want to look the best, so you, yeah. so you need to have the cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Lubrit boxes are definitely exploitive. They have been looked at the psychology of how can we get the most money out of it. 
And I don't think ESRB seems to have come out and and basically by them saying it's not gambling because if it was gambling, they would rate it uh, adults only. Right, that was the big thing, yeah. right? That's what the headlines really about is. We don't want to ra- rate the games all adults only. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which if if that was the case, then loot boxes would not be a thing. Nobody would want to be adults right. only. Right. Everybody would pull out, or you know, game stores. Right. GameStop wouldn't doesn't sell adult only games or whatever. I remember back with Grand Theft Auto San Andreas with the hot coffee mod. Once that was discovered, it went from being a mature game to an adults-only game, and then it like wasn't on the shelves anymore or something there, along those lines. Basically, GameStop doesn't sell those games, so you know your game isn't available. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably some stuff that they could do to make loot crates more fair, but uh, we'll see how that shakes out in the future. Uh, time to get into questions. Do you want to be part Ooh, of the yeah? <laughs> Do you want to be part of the show? Go to readysetgamecast.com slash submit to submit a question, comment, or a ghost story for us to read on the show. We had one question sent in from uh, someone named Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah, weird. Interesting. Uh, he asks. What is your favorite candy, and how do you feel about candy corn? That's a good question. This guy sounds smart. Um, you know? I like him. Are, are we specifying just Halloween candy or just any candy in general? I think the original question he wrote said, what's your favorite Halloween candy, but then felt like, oh, you know, he'll open it up, let it be any candy. It doesn't have to be <laughs> Halloween, because then maybe you're going to get stuck on that. It's weird that so, you, like... What's your favorite candy? It's weird that you know this Matt so well, and, like, what they were thinking when writing the question. I think it's because we share the same name, so there's this connection between uh, us, you know? Uh, it's this just this Matt thing. Well, uh, my favorite uh, <laughs> candy is Airheads Extreme Sourfoos. The frick? I don't know. That sounds like something uh, from Skyrim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really does. Zarfus. Uh, but it's kind of a combination of two candies I already like, uh, which is the the Airhead Extreme, the kind of rainbow flavored, and then uh, I don't know what the other one is, but it's kind of uh, all like rainbow flavored and and uh, has a chewy center and it's really good. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know, in terms of, like, stuff I'd get when trick-or-treating, um, probably, like, Reese's is good. All right, yeah, solid choice. Reese's, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, I don't... Yeah, candy corn. I don't care for candy corn at all. It's... All right. How about you? There, there you how have it. How about you, Matt? Um, <laughs> so, even though I had a Milky Way earlier, or half a Milky Way, I guess, I don't know, they're all in, like, two-bar packages now. I think my favorite candy is Nutrageous. How Nutrageous of you. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Nut Nutrageous. It's got the the Reese's Reese's Reese's, I don't know. It's got the peanut butter, got the peanuts, got the chocolate. It's got the whole package. Ooh. You know. Yeah. Um, how do I feel about candy corn? I'll eat it if it's there in a bowl. <laughs> you know, if it's any more work than that. It's like, yeah, 
I'm I'm not picking out candy corn at the store ever. Or in my trick or treat bag. I'm probably throwing it away. I'm like, this is terrible. But if it's in a bowl, I'm so, probably gonna eat it. Okay. <laughs> the the key to getting Matt to eat candy corn is put it in a bowl. Yeah, it's easy. Well, that has been this week's Ready Set Gamecast. Uh, go to ReadySetGameCast.com for links to the podcast on all your favorite podcast services, including iTunes, all of them, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as the video version on YouTube, last, YouTube slash Last Geek. Uh, How many podcast services are there? I don't know. There's like a lot. Uh, so there's a bunch that pull from iTunes, uh, but there's player. So if you if you like rate it on iTunes, then a bunch of other ones will pull it, and it's okay. Yeah. So yeah. you want to rate on iTunes? The, the, well, the only two places you can rate it is iTunes and Stitcher, uh, but iTunes is the best okay. place to rate it because um, a lot of places pull from iTunes. Mm, okay. Uh, anyway. Speaking of such, and then you should like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, right? Is that what I understand? Yeah, I think that's that's what we say. Click on the bell to get notifications <laughs> when it goes live. If you like the show, please subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review it on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps us grow and become more powerful. Matt A plays. Where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, at Matty Plays on Twitter and Instagram. I don't post very often to Instagram, so you can follow, though. I'll appreciate it. I'll be like, wow, I got a notification from Instagram today. But I'm on Twitter fairly regularly. Um, and I'm also on twitch.tv. It's a website. Slash Matty Plays. Um, where I play video games multiple times a week and talk at you. And sometimes play with you. And sometimes talk to you. <laughs> okay, uh, then. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. What about you, Bryce? Uh, last, at Last Geek on Twitter. And last Geek Plays on Instagram. And Last Geek Plays on Twitch. Uh, thank you for joining us on, uh, on this episode. <laughs> and have a great two weeks. Oh, yeah, all the games are coming out. Yes. Have fun with that, you know? All the games. Assassin's Creed, Mario, other games. That's multiple games I named that are coming out. <laughs> oh, Stranger Things 2. I can't wait. I'm very excited about Stranger Things 2. I watched four episodes yesterday. Yes. See, yes. see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>